love it when my podcast guests are also my friends in real life. And today is one of those days because I am interviewing Austin's own tattoo artist and illustrator, the infamous, the wonderful Stacy Martin. If you guys have ever seen pictures of me and noticed, say, the Halloween in an ice cream cone or the woman with a Christmas tree beehive tattoo that I have, they were done by Stacy. When you have sat for five different tattoos with a person, you kind of get to know them pretty well because there's not a lot else for me to do besides babble. And this is where I realized that not only can Stacy make all my kitschy tattoo dreams come true, but that she is also equally amazing at social media and business. Before we jump in, just in case you forgot who I am and where you are, it's me, your friend Jennifer Perkins, and this is the Creative Queso Podcast. Each week I talk with different guests about the business of being creative and the creativity behind running a business. I've talked with authors, artists, store owners, calligraphers, hosts, all kinds of people because you know what? At the end of the day, whether you're selling soap or socks, business is business people. And you know what? Today's guest, Stacy Martin, she knows about business. Not only does Stacy and I talk about tattoos and all of her infamous cuties, we also get into issues around licensing, contracts, and product design. Stacy not only has her own line of adorable enamel pens, prints, and housewares, she has also worked with companies like Sourpuss Clothing and Austin's own Sweet Ritual Ice Cream. As always, tons of great business takeaways and maybe even the occasional tangent about our favorite drag queens. Hello, Stacy Martin Smith. Hello, Jennifer. How are I'm you? I'm fantastic. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I am just fine and dandy. Excited to talk to you. Same. Same. I can't believe this is really happening right now. <laughs> I put makeup on for you. I know. We've been talking about it for forever. Yes. Oh, you didn't have to do. I did not put makeup on for you. As a matter of fact, I haven't showered in a few days. So. I still take that as a compliment. Sorry, I can't return the favor. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe later I will. It, it's my birthday. Today? So <gasps> today is. I feel like, you know, I should shower and put on makeup to celebrate. Happy birthday, Jennifer. What's that face? Like, what were you supposed to do? Like, bring me a cake to the yeah. podcast interview? Yes. yes. <laughs> I feel really unprepared no, right you... now. <laughs> this, is, this is my birthday. You should know this because you've I tattooed know. me several times for my birthday. Listen. Like, you remember the day, but. I know you're a Libra. I know you're an Enneagram 7. <laughs> I know all of these things about you. But the day. Yeah, that's the important yeah. stuff. Well, I only, you know, and I only know I've gotten tattooed on this day. You did my Halloween boo cone on this day because of Facebook memories. You know how it <laughs> pops up and it's like on this day. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I did get that done on my actual birthday. <laughs> so not the first time we have hug outs on my birthday. But enough about me. We're here to talk about yes, you and all of your awesomeness. So first things first I'm just you know I'm curious you're the first tattoo artist I've ever interviewed and we're not going to just talk about tattooing but I want to know were you like artsy and craftsy as a child um I was I was kind of uh just kind of born into it I guess um 
the people that raised me, including external family too, were always making things. Uh, we never did take out food only when it was a special occasion. So we were always baking, um, making dinners. Uh, my dad was a carpenter part-time. So I pretty much watched him remodel the childhood house I was in and helped him with, he used to put water in a paint bucket for me so I could pretend I was painting with him. And, um, and he built the second house that we lived in uh, way far down, but we, I mean, we'd always been, uh, my mom always sewed my Halloween costume. So it's like, it was just kind of like a surrounding thing. So it was kind of a natural thing for me to also want to be a part of that and want to help. And then eventually kind of do things on my own. And they really were great at encouraging that. So that was pretty awesome. That's good. Yeah. That's always, that's always important. That seems to be a a link I always hear is like the parents were that way, or you were like around it subjected to it you know whichever yes. way you want to look yeah. at it forced into child labor <laughs> so, like, at what point did Christmas? <laughs> I mean you know what that's what that's why I had kids you know if you're not gonna have kids to help you make pom-poms for Christmas trees like why bother there's no point <laughs> <laughs> exactly so like but at what point like you know because I grew up around artsy and craftsy and like for instance like my sister is more of a fine artist like you mm-hmm. are but you know for me or for hope like we never thought to ourselves like you know what like I want to like turn this art into tattoos like when did you kind of start to think about transitioning your creativity into that career path um well I mean the first thought probably occurred to me I was in college at Syracuse University for uh freelance illustration I remember a friend of mine wanted to stop into the tattoo shop that was um that was down the road that was the obligatory college you know, proximity tattoo shop. And I remember going in, just kind of looking around and being like, I wonder if I could do this. And I remember kind of, you know, I was maybe in my second year of college. And I remember mentioning it at home, but that was where the line was drawn. I mean, I, I mentioned like, maybe I can be a tattooer. And this was like, maybe 1998. And my parents were like, absolutely not. You're finishing school, you know, the whole thing. And <laughs> you know, they wanted, they, they, I mean, tattooing was not even close to where it is today. So further down the line, um, I started catching wind of people, like taking artwork that we used to post up on bulletin boards and coffee shops. And I remember somebody came to me one time, they're like, Hey, check this out. And they like lifted their leg, uh, not their leg, but their pant leg up. And it was the drawing that was on the board. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool and kind of weird. And hang on, I'm on the wrong end of this. Like I need to figure out how I can be doing this and not have other people taking my artwork and <laughs> tattooing it on people. Mm-hmm. I think I could probably do this. Um, I you mean, could be doing both, both sides of it. Yeah. So that was kind of where the seed was planted. And then another friend of mine suggested I go talk to um, a specific studio about possibly becoming an apprentice. And I really, I had no knowledge of tattooing. I was just very curious about it. So, um, I went and talked to them, brought a portfolio that was built for freelance illustration and graphic design. So like nothing that was tattooable in there, but I didn't necessarily ask for an apprenticeship. I just kind of like, I just kind of wanted to get a feel for it. So I just started kind of doing like showing up at the shop and helping out with stuff around the office and, you know, doing kind of graphic design stuff and maybe doing some sign painting here for them. And, um, 
kind of revamping their business cards, like doing all that stuff that I already knew how to do from an illustrator graphic designer standpoint, and then also starting to absorb everything that was going on um, in the shop and kind of like the tattoo culture and everything and kind of picking up more on that style of drawing and stuff like that. And, uh, and then eventually once I was there for quite a long time and actually got tattooed by a few of them, cause I hadn't even had any tattoos yet. Um, I finally, when you decided to let go, like discover your new career path, you didn't even have, no, a tattoo. I mean, I really kind of like, <laughs> I am so cautious with certain things and I was just kind of like very slowly dipping my toe in the water. And I know for some people that might mm-hmm. prevent them from eventually even getting in cause it's too cold, but I'm pretty resilient with that kind of stuff. So I just really want to make sure this was um, a life that I wanted because <laughs> it really is mm-hmm. very different from a lot of other professions and also very similar to other ones. It's just such like a weird secretive underground thing, even still to this day, even with all the coverage and, and having it be more mainstream, it's still, there's still questions that the general public couldn't have no idea the answers to, which mm. I kind of like. It means it's, it means yeah. it's still magic. So um, that always makes me happy. It reminds me of that. Like speaking of magicians, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It kind of reminds me of that. Like you know, that's all like shrouded in mystery. Yeah. Like you'll never know how we do these tricks. Like I feel that way sometimes about like tattooing. I'm like, I don't understand how they make exactly. This I mean, people still to this day they're like, I don't understand how you know where the needle is, and I'm like, and you never will. So yeah, right. I'm cool with that. I mean, that's fine. I don't need people don't need to know everything about it. So. <laughs> That's the mystique. It is. Yeah. And it, it's intriguing and it, it keeps it special. I like it. So was there a lot of when you went from this background in illustration into tattooing, how much, how different is like your drawing? How different oh. does it have to be? Like, well, I mean, I started off when I started off illustrating, I did a lot of um, kind of like black work kind of like the, some of the tattoos that are kind of popular in the last few years have been just like black line work tattoos that have like old etchings or um, stipple work and stuff. And I was kind of doing stuff like that because I was doing uh, illustrations for newspapers and stuff that had to be black and white and pretty bold and contrasty. So I initially started drawing like that and thinking, you know, I could tattoo this. This is the style I want to do. And I quickly realized that it was almost impossible to do it in the same way that I was doing it on paper because like skin is just so much different and um, line work eventually no matter how thin or fine it is it does eventually age and move and grow with your skin and it starts to spread so you have to take like all of these things into consideration so you can't just make a tattoo that's going to look good for a year or so when they look super fresh, like stickers, you have to make a tattoo for like, you know, consider what it's going to look like about 20 years down the road. And once I started to really Mm -hmm. realize that, that really influenced um, some of the details that I either excluded or included into the tattoos, including even how much color I would use Um, and using the actual skin as negative space and not packing so much color in that it's just muddy. I mean, there's so many things. It's like a whole other bag of tricks. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. I'm sure you have to learn to get really good at editing. Very, I know. I edit the crap out of things, especially with the style and, and subject matter that I'm doing now. It kind of requires 
um, a lot of attention to detail and like little fine elements to it. So I have to be able to take those things and really dumb them down and really edit unnecessary stuff out, but still get across, um, I guess with the, what the tattoo actually is. I mean, I'm speaking kind of in terms of doing like the cupies and stuff. Um, when I'm doing like a celebrity one or a character, I have to include very specific things so that it's like instantly recognizable. So to do that and also have them as small Mm -hmm. as they are, there's a lot of editing that does go into that. So they do take quite a while to draw just because of that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And that transitions right into my next question, which was, you know, we talked on my Halloween tattoo, but for those of you guys listening, Stacy's done several of my tattoos that you might've seen on Instagram with like the lady with the Christmas tree and the little bear and God, what else have you done? You did the Halloween in a boo cone and my kid's yep, ear. That little like, picture. I love that. <laughs> oh, and the giant, and the giant picture of my parents' yes. house. So you've done a lot, but you know, somebody that has not had work done for you from you may like know you because of your cuteness. Mm-hmm. So do you ever feel like, like pigeonholed as like the QP tattoo girl or? Um, I do feel like that when I do post something that's not a QP tattoo, um, it's funny because I, I notice a significant like drop in likes and it's not, I don't take that as like, people don't like this. I feel like with the QPs, they're just such a universal thing across the board that, I mean, people cannot help but react to those. I mean, it's just that's the way it is. But when I throw in, you know, like a regular traditional tattoo or like a floral tattoo, I mean, that pertains and appeals, I think, to my like super core base audience, people that have been with me for like ever that I've been tattooing since, you know, especially in Austin um, that I've been tattooing probably for the last 11 years. Like they know that I can kind of do almost every style. Um, But the Mm -hmm. cupy thing has been... Uh, like it's absorbed my entire portfolio at this point. <laughs> it's the ratio is just way out of balance as as far as cupies to like you know your everyday request for a tattoo, which I'm okay with. I'm not upset. I'm not mm-hmm. upset about that because they really are each one so very different, and each client is so very different that it's it's never boring to do. It's it's always a challenge, which is really important to me. Um, yeah, and I'm sure, like, even if it's like, because I think I asked you once, like, oh, I want to get a cupie of like Pee Wee holding the snakes, <laughs> thinking I'm like so original. And I'm like, how many times have you done that one? And you're like, a lot. <laughs> but I'm sure, each, I'm sure each person has like their own like meaning and connection to that. Yeah. You know, whether they get the Beyonce cupie or the Pee Wee cupie or the, yeah, I don't I even know, the Prince cupie. You've done them all. I've done the Prince one. I think it's been like, two or three times now, but they're always, 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 always very different, whether it's like a stylistic thing, because I remember the first prints I did was like at least maybe like four, four years ago. And like the most recent one was maybe two months ago. So there's a whole stylistic change in there. Plus I always encourage people as much as they loved the original one that I did when they're asking for one, that's the same. Um, I always say, well, how about we do it like this? And they're usually super mm-hmm. cool with it because they start to see how excited I get. And I don't know. I'm just lucky to have clients that trust me. You know, I think that's the yeah. biggest thing um, is, is to have that trust and to have them just kind of like, let me go, which is, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I go to you when I'm like, I want a lady with a Christmas tree beehive. Like there is no one else I would come to because I, <laughs> I know you I get totally it. I totally get it. Yeah. That's the stuff that I grew up on. So, I mean. Yeah. But, you know, it is important to note, you kind of mentioned it earlier that like, you know, people might know my kitschy tattoos or know your cupies, but you do also do beautiful, more traditional, you know, line work, like pretty ladies yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So. Sure. Yeah, you know, don't just get grouped in with the kitsch. So out of out of the kitschy cupies, though, who has been your most popular? Like, who did you have like the largest reaction? Okay, to? so I actually looked this up because <laughs> I was did a little I was curious about it too. Because honestly, I thought it was the Nosferatu cupie, and I think that one kind of held the ranking for a while. And then I had done the um the Ron Swanson cupie and the mm-hmm. uh, Karen Walker cupie from Will and Grace, who incidentally, Megan Mullally and Nick Offerman, who are married in real life. Um, and Megan Mullally had gotten a hold of both of those uh, from seeing a hashtag or whatever, and she reposted them. And that, man, that just blew those up like crazy. So those are the two that are the most shared, the the most shared and the most... Um, and the most liked on there. So that's the answer to that. <laughs> Interesting. I, I figured you would say that because I knew they'd been shared, but like, I don't know why I always think of that, like the Beyonce from Lemonade and the little yellow dress with like the baseball bat. Like she was a close, she was, I like always think fourth. of that one. Yeah. She was fourth. And then was she okay? Yeah. And then I forgot, um, I forgot who the, I think the Prince one was up there. So, you know, like your classics. They're all there. Yeah. I mean, exactly. If they play them on Bob FM right. as a cupie, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're going to be a winner. You know, <laughs> another thing I was going to ask you about is, and you don't have to go into this if you don't want to, but I just happened to notice a lot of people kind of like all of a sudden when I'm on, because I guess maybe since you and I are friends and I follow you, you know, Instagram starting to like serve up random things to me, serving up a lot of people doing cupies as a Halloween thing or as a celebrity, you know, I'm seeing it like more and more, like, what are your thoughts and feelings on Um, this? I mean, I feel like people have always been, how do I explain this? When I first started doing these, I was amongst several people that were kind of doing this. I don't know what it is about the ones that I've done, but I mean, I've gotten such an influx of people coming to me for them. I think it's just specifically the style that I do them in is pretty attractive. So, I mean, I just kind of, I don't know if I'm explaining this right. Um, I guess it just kind of snowballed to the point where I was just doing a ton of them, but people have always been doing them. I feel like around the same Mm -hmm. time as me, um, I noticed there's, I mean, people see that something's popular. They're going to jump on it too. And I mean, they'd be silly not to, there's plenty to go around. That's how I feel about it. You know, like there's, they're not going to put me out of business (laughs) and I'm not going to put them out of business. I mean, if they're available and they're doing really awesome ones and, um, I don't know. I mean, just as long as they're doing them really well, I think that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> if if they're just ripping other people off, then that's a whole other Pandora's box that you may not deal. want to open with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Look at you and your positive attitude. There's an, I mean, you know, I know how that all goes. I mean, I've told the story of when I used to make jewelry, people would literally put it on Etsy with the hashtag Naughty Secretary Club. And it's like, (laughs) it's not a hashtag. It's really not like, it's my brand. But at the end of the day, like, you know, I couldn't make enough jewelry for everybody on the planet if I wanted to. And you couldn't tattoo all the cupies on everybody that wants one if you wanted to. So absolutely true. There's enough for everybody. That's right. So, I mean, I know those QPs have gotten super popular, but I also, for tattoos, but you've also started licensing some of your designs for companies. I just saw a cute little new purse. Yeah. um, Sourpuss Clothing just posted. uh, Can I I mention them? (laughs) Yeah, of course course you can. um, They just posted, uh, they did a purse out of a design that I created for them a few years back. Um, It's a little QP devil. I did a whole line of little cutie uh halloween uh trick-or-treaters like they're all just kind of dressed in little costumes and stuff and they put it on dresses they put it on plates and they put it on mugs and pillows and hoodies and pretty much anything you could think of and just just when you thought they were done with it i think it was so popular that and people were kind of like calling out for it people definitely let me know that they were bummed that they you know, had discontinued it once all those items sold out, but that was a few years ago. And seeing the mm-hmm. the little purse now, I mean, it just made me really excited that, you know, it lives to ride again, I guess. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a really cute little purse. I was just like, ooh, that is a cute little I'm bag. pretty excited. They're sending me one and I cannot wait to get it. Oh, fun. I want to see it in person. So were the little was that your first experience with licensing? Like um, Sort of. I we've we didn't really ever discuss licensing with them. That was kind of um, one of my first bigger national um, jobs, I would say. And how do I want to explain this? Um, we just kind of had like a loose agreement that I would make artwork for them, and I can in turn also they would pay me a flat fee for it. And in mm-hmm. turn, I could use that artwork myself as well to do whatever well, I nice. wanted with. Um, but that was also probably one of my biggest learning curves with that was, you know, I, I do need to, and from here on out, um, have been basically using like a written agreement with with clients now just to you know, put boundaries and limitations on usage for the artwork that they're paying me for. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. No, perfectly. Because, you know, I have a couple of questions concerning that whole thing, because this gets into not just people that do tattooing, but anyone that does art or illustration that's into, to licensing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when I was getting like my logo or my pen made, my enamel pen with my podcast logo, Mm -hmm. I talked to you about like, that's a different, like I paid her to make it as a logo, but it's a different fee to pay her to use it as something I'm going to sell, you know? And I think just a lot of people don't understand that, you know, they might think like, oh, well, I got this thing tattooed on me. It's my tattoo, but it's like, no it's still technically your art. And if you're going to use it in a different oh, way, yeah. like, can you kind of explain that nuance? I think that's confusing for a lot of people. Um, well, I guess when you're making a logo for someone, that's one use for that image. Um, so usage kind of pertains to, I would say, um, how somebody's going to use the product, where they're going to use it, 
um, and for how long it will be able to be used. And then if they want to reuse it, that's also needs to be put into consideration. And there's, it's mind boggling and it's, there's so much that goes into it and a lot of legalese, but really it's, um, like a logo goes on what your letterhead, your website, you're Mm. not making money off of that logo with when it's on that type of thing. Uh, but when you do want to put it on something that you might be charging a customer for and putting it out into the public and making revenue off of, I mean, that's, you know, the artist should also be getting some kind of compensation since you're going to be using it for all these different reasons. So if you just had an agreement with them to use it for a logo, um, that's a price in and of itself. But if you take that and you start to put it on t-shirts and sell the t-shirts, make stickers, sell the stickers, you know, that's, you're using it for intentions other than what were initially um, laid laid out. out. So it's pretty important to have just a basic, I would say, agreement, like a written agreement where each Mm -hmm. of you sign it and it's in writing on, you know, exactly how long they'll be able to use this um, and, uh, and for what. And that will determine ultimately how much you should charge for that illustration. So it just makes sure that the illustrator doesn't get screwed, you know? (laughs) Yeah, there's just, I think there, yeah, I think there's just a lot of nuances about it. Cause like I said, I didn't even really realize it. And then I posted in one of those enamel pin Facebook groups about it. And boy, that just like lit up a controversy of 50, 50 people being like, well, I already paid for it once. Why do I need to pay for it again to use it? And then the other half being like, I'm so glad that you understand this side that you're using it in a different way than was originally intended and you need to pay a separate fee exactly i mean there's a lot of people out there that kind of don't understand like standards and practices as far as like illustrators and graphic artists and stuff go because there's it's so saturated now i mean there are literally like professional grade illustrators that are just i mean they're amateurs but like you want to use their stuff because it's gorgeous and amazing they just don't know where to go. They don't have representation. So they don't really know the legal aspects of things. They get excited about working with a company and you, all of that business stuff kind of goes out the window for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. and down the line that can, that can kind of backfire on these, on these illustrators, especially if they're not professionals and they're just trying to break in, they're going to get taken advantage of. And there's not a lot of information, at the ready, I would say, um, for these people to look into and educate themselves with. But one of the things that I found to be incredibly useful was this book that they put editions out every couple of years. It's, um, I think it's called the Ethical Handbook of Pricing and Ethical Guidelines. And I think it's put out by the Graphic Artists Guild. Yes. And they have it on Amazon now. And it's like, it's just, it's such a useful piece of information because it literally has um, kind of blank contracts in the back that you can input your information into so that you can easily give that to a client, whether it be um, a small business, a single person. I mean, it breaks down pricing for all that stuff. It breaks down the pricing for usage and it explains everything. It's kind of a big fat Bible of kind of a lot of legalese. So I start to drift off a little bit if I'm reading some of this stuff, but it is real basic. (laughs) It is. It's just like really basic standards and practices, which I feel like 
you know, a lot of people, especially a lot of these awesome artists that are just kind of floating around out there without representation and without an agent doing this stuff for them. Um, it, it'd be worth getting. It's a write-off. I mean, just, just get it. It's, mm-hmm. And I'll link to it in the yeah, show it's notes. Because I do. I think it's, it sounds like it's a good thing for lots yes. of, you know, different illustrators and different genres to, yeah. to lay hands on. And so you mentioned there's like kind of boilerplate contracts in mm-hmm. there. And then you touched on earlier when we were talking about the Cupies that it was like a learning curve. Do you have like a standard contract that you go with now when people approach you about imaging or licensing? I do. Or do I do. Tweak each uh, thing? Well, I tweak it just based off of, you know, what the actual project is because not every project is the same, but um, I do use an agreement now and it doesn't matter how big or small the company is. If it's an individual person, if it's like a national company that wants to use things internationally, it's, it really boils down to the same practices that there are limitations on the artwork that I'm providing for them and that they agree that it will be used for this amount of time. Uh, And beyond that, we'll have to renegotiate the contract. It also um, includes things like revisions, um, because I know a lot of people like working with people, they don't quite understand sometimes that, you know, if they want something changed slightly after you've already kind of finalized something and they've agreed upon it, man, that's time. That's that's still time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just such an, what is the word, indispensable book? I mean, every. Mm-hmm. Everyone who's interested, even in doing like enamel pin work and doing stuff like that, they should all have that book just as reference. And it, it you don't have to get every copy of it, but try to find the most recent copy because it'll it even includes um, kind of more modern things that weren't in some of the older ones, like web design and stuff like that. So yeah, no, it sounds like it's a great awesome. Book. Okay, so my other thing is like I thought. Did you say that like now you're making people sign contracts like that get tattoos oh, no. from you? Oh is that no. What no. I thought you were saying that, but you know, that's an interesting concept because like, say we're not friends and say, I was like, I love the boo cone. Do you know what I mean? Like, have you ever had anybody be like, I want to make that into a sticker and a t-shirt and a doodle and a doodle. Um, or just, I only think only my tattoos are that amazing that I want to do that. I mean, I'm pretty sure you were the one that's like, you should make a pin out of my tattoo. Just say it. I mean, (laughs) but I mean, so maybe my ego is big when it comes to my tattoos, but you do such awesome But work. I was like, no, Jennifer, I want your tattoo to stand alone and be awesome on you. But doing like a version of that that's different would also be, that would be totally doable. See how I, that's how I do it. I just, I never want to take something that belongs to somebody and then steal it and use it for something else for my own personal gain. Um, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Just, just me. You're, you're such a good I person. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why Aww. I love you. So besides Sourpuss, who are some other, are there any other companies you can name that you work with that we should be out collecting all Stacey Martin Smith things um, from? Totally. And one of my favorite ones is Sweet Ritual. Um, it's the vegan ice cream parlor here in Austin, Texas. And I have done um, several t-shirt designs for them and sticker designs and patch designs that you can collect. Um, we had this whole idea that, I know we had this whole idea to be able to reward some of their, um, their frequent ice cream buyers with patches. And of course my brain went to, well, when I was a girl scout, all of our, all of our patches linked together and it was really cool. Cause they, like, sometimes they were triangles and they all went together. So we decided, um, they kind of have a reoccurring motif in their, 
uh, packaging and it's like these really cool kind of art deco diamonds. So we did them all diamond shaped. So I think there's probably like six designs out now that you can collect that are based off of specific flavors and stuff. So those are pretty awesome. It's uh, it makes me happy because it's also um, a product that I freaking love. You know, I've still not been there. And it's funny. I know you and you've done all their logo stuff. And then I know, oddly, another girl named Sarah Stacy who does their like, I guess she's she's like an interior designer. I think she did like the store, like redid the store. So it's like I know people that do stuff for them. I need to go get me some vegan. You really ice cream. do. It's um today's your birthday. They do have vegan ice cream <laughs> there. I'm just saying. They're pretty awesome. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll make the pilgrimage. Maybe, yeah. you, maybe you've convinced me. So anybody else besides Sweet Ritual? Oh, yeah. Um, I, just, I just started working with um, burlesque dancer and drag queen Kitty Von Quim. Oh. And she has commissioned me to do some pretty badass little cupies of a bunch of her looks. And we're going to do stickers and we're going to do enamel pins of that so um i'm pretty pumped on that when she asked me to do it because she is so freaking adorable and she has some of the best looks so i'm not going to give anything away you're gonna have to just stay tuned on my instagram and on kitty's instagram to see this stuff revealed so i don't want to ruin anything um i've also worked with um haunted atx they've asked me for a QP design of their little undertaker that's uh kind of their little logo and texas roller derby txrd the bank track girls i've done a bunch of their designs um for their merch so a bunch of pinup girls uh modeled after each um i guess each mascot for each team there's like four or five of them that i've done and um i worked with mind's eye creative before too and did a little they did a um oh a bernie sanders campaign and they wanted a Bernie Sanders cutie that was really cute and it was it was put a burn on it so it was a little fundraiser for his campaign Aww. too so that was pretty awesome I'm probably for, <laughs> little baby Bernie. Uh, I'm probably forgetting some people but those are the ones that stick out in my brain as the most fun and like the stuff that I really 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 believe in so I love it. Well, I'll link to all those in the show notes as well so what are your do you have any like pearls of wisdom or advice for people that are primarily a tattoo artist at the moment but are kind of wanting to also break into that illustration work side of things Um, that's a great question um I would say definitely be proud of what you make make sure it's something that you um would wear yourself or that you would be happy to put out there don't just make something because it's on trend or you know just to make money because you can just tell that it's just not as special as it is if you really believe in it and take your time with it. Um, I guess you mentioned the book. That seems like a pretty good tool. That book. Yeah, definitely try to do things. I don't want to say do things by the book. I mean, tattooers are so used to being kind of like these pirates, you know, like we, <laughs> we, we like kind of refuse to want to do things by the book, like, you know, screw the man and all that stuff. But honestly, I feel like some of the most successful tattooers that I've seen kind of turn um, and start putting merch out and everything they're, they're doing so with a plan, you know, you might not see that plan on Instagram, but I feel like, you know, they're putting out nicely curated, um, lines of things. It's not just one product. It's maybe like two or three things with, you know, some of their more recognizable imagery on it. I, I think having a nice cohesive collection, um, of some of the work that mm-hmm. they do 
on merchandise is probably one of the best things, the best ways to go. I don't know. Does that make sense? (sighs) No, perfect sense. I mean, because I think people like underestimate that, like if they were a tattooer, like that you could make this other not even supplemental it could be your main income eventually if you had like product lines i mean you know to use like sailor jerry as an example you know but i mean his stuff for a hot second like yeah you couldn't like throw a stone without hitting somebody in an ed hardy shirt or like that's true you know but i mean you know that's just like one of the things i'm like he's who's coming to mind as far as like someone who's like imagery has been licensed quite a bit it's funny too because that's i think for a lot of tattooers um both of those names are, I mean, that can bring up a sour note with some people because those were designers that took those designs that belonged to to those artists who were, you know, and then they kind of ran with them in a way. And I'm not even sure that the original artist like had anything worked out or their families had anything worked out to receive any of the residuals from that or any kind of royalties. So that's some advice that I could give you. Oh, that's um, horrible. Don't enter into any uh, agreements without having these companies at least sign an agreement that makes sure that you don't get screwed, you know, especially mm-hmm. if you're going to be working with a company. If you're doing it for yourself, just, you know, that's one thing. But if you do enter into um, a project with companies, don't let them, at least don't let them take advantage of you. It wouldn't hurt to have uh, a copyright lawyer or a lawyer that's familiar with artist rights kind of look stuff over. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of expensive, but you know, it might. Save no, you. it's, I mean, I know lawyers can be super yeah. expensive, but sometimes for something like that, like, yeah. you know, it's just worth having the, all your uh, I's dotted and T's Correct. crossed. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, another tool I wanted to mention that I've seen you use, and it seems like for artists and tattoo artist would be really indispensable is an ipad pro like i love the way you use it not only to you know draw out ideas for tattoos but you also use it in a way as like a social media tool using the what i don't even know what that is i don't have one where you can show your little illustrations um well the app that i've been using currently and since i've got the ipad is called procreate um And one of the options on there is it records your drawing process and then you can export the video as a time lapse um, from start to finish of your drawing. And it's just people on Instagram, including myself and not just including artists, but, but people that cook and I don't know, build and do anything. People love process videos. They're mesmerizing to watch. Um, and since I started posting those once a week, um, it's got me using the the IGTV feature, which I didn't even think I had a reason to use that. Um, but it is one of the coolest things since I figured out how to use it. Because um, I could post, you know, full length videos on there of either a time lapse of me tattooing or a time lapse of a process drawing from start to finish so people can see kind of where these cupies come from. They don't just appear out of nowhere. Um, you know, it's, it's really a struggle from those first few blue sketches and then it gets refined slowly. And then you see the finished product that ended up getting tattooed on somebody, which I always think is pretty awesome to see where something originates. Mm-hmm. Cause you kind of just take for granted that these things just kind of appear on people and you don't realize the process that goes into it. Yeah, no, I love the way that you've been using the, 
that procreate to like show that like backside of it. I think it makes it so much more interesting. Like, oh, because you're right. I mean, I get suckered into watching those like the process videos. And I feel like up until up until more recently with the procreate app, um, there have been other apps and other drawing tools. um, But for some reason, the Apple Pencil um, and the brushes on this are just I mean, they're so, so close to they're not the same but they're incredibly close to using pen and paper and it's just been indispensable i've been able to take this thing um, on planes before i do guest spots and get all my artwork done on the plane before i even land so i mean it's it's so convenient Mm -hmm. to not have like rolls of paper and pencil shavings and everything everywhere but (laughs) it doesn't mean i will never draw on paper again because i will always paint on paper that's that's always going to be a thing yeah, I mean, you can do both. Like, I th- I'm sure some people, like, there's a stigma, like, oh, an iPad. Yeah. But it's like, you're never going to, like, give it up. You're never going to, like, quit using paint or pencils or exactly. whatever. And you half know the time, I mean? those naysayers are the people that just, they don't, they've never tried it. Just saying. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, haters going to hate, as they say, mm-hmm. as the cool kids say. Mm-hmm. So out of, you know, I'm, I meant to ask this when you're talking about your freelance stuff. Who are some of your, like favorite clients to work with whether it be like as a freelance artist or as a tattoo artist do you like people with like a really super clear vision or do you like people that are you know more come to you like you know I kind of have this roundabout idea um is it possible to to be like kind of specific but also pretty (laughs) open-minded and like open Mm -hmm. to suggestion um I do like when people give me problems to solve and that's kind of how I look at everything. Um, they have this specific thing in mind. They have this piece of skin or, you know, this specific product that's a certain shape that they need it on. So, and they only want it in this many colors or they want it in this style. So I guess like ideal clients are people that um, are familiar with my work. They, they play to my strengths when they're asking me as far as subject matter, what to do. It's not something that's so far outside my wheelhouse that I feel like I'm learning a new style while I'm making this project. Um, and just people that, you know, kind of like, just let me ride. And I'm, I'm usually open to suggestion from, uh, the clients too, as long as it's within reason. Um, and a lot mm-hmm. of times, I mean, sometimes my clients, man, they out, imagination me they out creativity me and it's like almost intimidating sometimes like I really I give quite a bit of credit to them for some of these pieces that I've done that people go crazy over because I mean sometimes I'll just blurt out a cute little thing well what if she was doing this and I'm like oh my god let's do that you know and then and then I'll just Mm -hmm. take it you know 10 steps further in that direction which is usually what set stuff over the edge. So I, I really do like people that are kind of on the imaginative side. Some, when people come to me and they're like, well, what do you want to do? And they're like, well, well, why don't you, uh, you know, just do whatever. And I'm like, that's like the worst. It's one of the worst things somebody can say to me. Cause it's like, I have this entire catalog of things that I could pull from and that's almost too overwhelming for me. So it, as long as I can narrow it down, just like mm-hmm. the idiotiest bit and send me in just a vague direction, like slightly to the left, you know, or slightly to, mm-hmm. you know, up these stairs. So that's usually, I like a little bit of direction with something and, you know, kind of a couple of keywords and I'm ready to roll. <laughs> 
but not overbearing. Not overbearing. I mean, don't don't text me in the middle of the night asking how it's going, you know, because <laughs> it's gonna make me nuts. Um, but yeah, just that little that little bit of trust and and all that's always like an honor to have that from some people. So I like it. Yeah. So happy meeting. Yeah, always. So you don't, not only do you like do work for other people, but you also like, you have your own successful Etsy store. I mean, you sell your own enamel pins hand over fist. So like, how has that worked out for you? Like when you decided like, you know what, I'm gonna start putting out my own pins. Um, it's a, it was a long time coming. I, I was hesitant to do it because I just wasn't sure what I wanted to make. And I'm always pretty hard on myself. Like, I'm like, I have to do something new. I have to create something different and new. And then I'm realizing that I had like, you know, several successful just pieces of art that I had made for art shows that I sold prints of. And I was looking at those and kind of like honing in on those and seeing things that could be enamel pins. And I was like, oh, let me take the little bats from this painting and let me make two little enamel pins of them. They'd be sold as a set and they'd be really cute. You could put them on you know, you could share them with a friend as like little BFF pins, or you could put them on either lapel. So they're kind of playing off of each other. And that was my first enamel pin. And it really, it was, it'd been sitting there. The idea had been right in front of me the entire time. Um, and just kind of taking them and translating them from the initial drawing with all the shading to this, you know, this little three dimensional pin with very flat coloring, you know, that was a little bit of a, a trial, but they ended up being the most like kind of like the little flagship pin of mine that I don't I don't think I'll ever discontinue or ever stop selling I mean they're just they're, they're just mm-hmm. freaking cute man so they're just gonna keep <laughs> they're gonna keep going until I'm long gone so you know they are cute I have it set yeah yeah I love them happy birthday Jennifer. what about the <laughs> <laughs> thank you you know what I really want for my birthday I want you to bring those monsters back are oh, you ever gonna bring the monster cupies I, back I, I mean people were really bumming that I didn't bring them back just in time for Halloween. I, they'll be back in due time. I, I'm debating um, on a few things with those because they are, I mean, it's four of them. I don't like doing soft enamel pins. I like doing the hard enamel, which is quite a bit pricier. So um, I think they will come back. I just don't know when. They're real cute. I'm just Thank telling you. you, you got my vote on this, okay. guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to, we're going to wrap up. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about some drag queens because as someone who has, uh, you know, stayed with you in hotel rooms, I know your love. You brought me to the RuPaul's Drag Race dark side. Now I'm watching. So now I'm a fan. So you, you talked about, you're going to do some work for uh, Kitty Von Quinn, but you also, you mentioned to me recently that uh, Trixie Mattel has said your name. What was that story? Um, okay. So, uh, I made a Trixie Mattel cutie for a client. She, she requested this. And I remember we posted it a long time ago and, uh, we're kind of just waiting and like all of my clients were tagging Trixie in it. And we were just waiting and waiting, waiting, hoping that she would see it and maybe post it. Um, but nothing, of course. And then (laughs) randomly I'm on vacation in new Orleans and one of my absolute favorite clients (laughs) texted me. He's like, Trixie Mattel just said your name. (laughs) (laughs) I know I kind of freaked out and went online and, and kind of hunted everything down and went on her site. And she finally, I think um, there's a little curated 
Instagram that's called just drag queen tattoos. And all they do is feature tattoos um, of drag queens, no matter what style or color, black and white, whatever, realist, uh, non-real. It's just an awesome little curated thing. So Trixie, I think, caught it on there and then posted it on her site and, and actually tagged me in it, which was pretty awesome. So Trixie Mattel typed my name into the internet and I lost my mind a little bit. It was pretty exciting. It was a really, it was a, it was a really good week for me. So Aww, <laughs> I got a few followers. That's so precious. That, so. It's cool. I got a couple, maybe two, three. So have you ever done my current obsession and we're going to transition into this are the Boulay brothers. Oh. Have you ever done Cupy Boulets? No Cupy Boulets yet, but I do tattoo one of the contestants on the current season, and they have a few of my most popular ones, very vampire oriented. So I did a little Nosferatu Cupy on Louisiana Purchase and um, Lucy the Vampire from Bram Stoker's Dracula on Louisiana as well. And she just. Uh, DM'd me on Instagram and wants to finally get a cutie of herself. Oh, that'd so be that'll cute. be my first boulet, which would be pretty badass. I'm pretty excited about that. Yes, I am. Like, I was just going to transition into Louisiana yeah. because a I'm obsessed with the show. Like the the Boulet brothers, like everything they wear, I'm just like. Maybe I, I maybe I want to be a drag queen when I grow up. Like, can I be them? Can I wear latex? Like, I, I want to be a belay brother. Like, their looks specifically are like are amazing. They're awesome. Oh my God, if you're listening, like, you have to go like watch it on Amazon right now. And of course, root for Louisiana Purchase, who is from Austin, like us. And well, I kept wondering, like, if you could see her tattoos on the show, like, if you were going to get any. I know both of the ones you're talking mm -hmm. about, uh, but I don't think I realized that they were her tattoos. I just like have seen it because, you know, you're just seeing a little piece right, of skin. Right. So. Well, I mean, she's typically usually in like a very, uh, I guess, like a very revealing bodysuit most of the time. So you can see visibly almost all of her tattoos that are on her arms and legs. And these two specifically are on her legs. They haven't been like zoomed in upon or anything like that, but you can, I mean, you can see them. You can pick them out. I know where they are. So <laughs> I see them right away. You're like, I know yeah, where they are. Yeah. I guess if they featured them, then I'd have to like sign something to, to make sure it was okay. But um, they haven't been specifically featured. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> Right. Oh, I mean, I guess that's true. Well, you think that? I don't know. Like, they didn't ask me if it was okay to put my Christmas tree on, on my Halloween tree on maybe, Bravo. Nobody asked me for permission. Maybe at this point, it's just too hard to like wrangle all the tattooers that are <laughs> that have had their, their work. Right. I mean, for that show, like, yeah, everybody's got that's tattoos. True. Like, I guess it would take like forever in a day well I love it I've, I'm always like every time I watch an episode I'm like looking really closely at Louisiana like can I see it can I see it Stacy yeah tattoo? just look for like glossy round little eyes and a little you know a little fat little head and a little fat little belly um and that's probably one of mine <laughs> okay well I'm gonna go back and like pause some of those okay. episodes and take a closer look all right last yes. question <gasps> Where should we go for queso? I mean, we've had queso together in real life, I'm sure. But... Um, okay. I knew you were going to ask me this question. Because uh, <laughs> I listened to your podcast. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, my favorite. Okay. So the favorite queso that I've had recently was actually by accident at a 
show at the North Door. There's this taco trailer inside the North Door and it's called uh, Pueblo Viejo. Have you heard of it? Hmm. I haven't. It is absolutely delicious. And we went to go see the live show of Mortified one night. And all of these people kept walking by with um, chips and salsa, chips and queso, some tacos. And I'm like freaking hungry. So I followed the smell and there it was. So, and it was honestly some of the best queso that I've had here in Austin. So there you go. Pueblo Viejo. Delicioso. And I'm just about to buy tickets to go see Bed Post Confessions live, another Austin podcast, which is taping oh, there. Perfect. So I will two for one special and get some of that That's queso fair. when I go hear people, you know, talk about what happens awesome. in the bedroom. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I know. Do I want to eat queso? Yes, in that you situation? do. Yes, I don't you. know. <laughs> Sex and queso, I can do it. <laughs> I mean, mortified is people reading out of their diaries from when they were in middle school. So, I mean, it, it was pretty saucy and a little uncomfortable, but still, the, I didn't stop eating the whole time. <laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe it'll be like a nervous thing, like a confessional in queso. I like that. It. Is, that is exactly what I was doing. Right. <laughs> well, Stacy, thank you for hanging out with me on my birthday. You are so welcome. And I will do this anytime with you, Jennifer. Hooray. Well, you have a great rest thank of you your so day. Thank you so much. You too. Pop over to Instagram and follow Stacy and see all of the cupy cuteness at Stacy Martin Tattoos. Be sure to also check out her Etsy and Society6 stores so you can grab a set of those bat baby pins too. I told you there was some great info today. I had no idea about the logo usage issues. And for fellow artists, these are some great pearls of wisdom to make sure you don't get taken advantage of, or in my case, to make sure you're not accidentally taking advantage of someone else. Also, now I am suddenly really itching for a new tattoo. If you were going to get one of Stacy's cupies, who would it be? I'm thinking maybe the Burt Reynolds and Dolly Parton characters from the best little whorehouse in Texas, because ooh, that'd be cute. All right. If you love this episode and how could you not go back into the archives where I chat with all kinds of other artists and illustrators like Andrea Pippins, Ann Shin, Alyssa Burke, or Anna Victoria Calderon. And remember that part about where I said it was my birthday? Well, you want to get me a present? Because, you know, of course you do. Well, here's how. You could rate, review, or subscribe to Creative Case Out right here on iTunes or wherever else you are listening. And the cherry on top of that gift would be if you were to take a screenshot of this episode tag me at Creative Queso and share it in your Instagram stories. Best birthday present ever. All right. Thank you again to Stacy Martin for hanging out today. Merci beaucoup to Mariah Gossett for producing this episode. Gracias Crispec for the music and grazie to you guys for listening. I'll see you next week. 